everybody. This week, Kyle and I are going to be watching Back to the Future. Great Scott. This is the Nostal Junk Podcast, where one person's junk is another person's childhood. I'm Matt McGraw. And I'm Kyle Smith. Join us as we take a deep dive into your pop culture consciousness. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Hanging out. Eight weeks. Wow. I can't even believe that. We haven't even missed one. You've been working so hard on this thing, and like it's just crazy every hey, week, man. Hey, did did you know that I work for a healthcare agency during the middle of a pandemic, and we're still cranking out episodes? It's pretty crazy what's going on here. I, I, I shouldn't even just say here what's going on everywhere in the world. But. Yeah, but you know what? In light of the current state of everyone's awareness, let's break the monotony. Let's give you a little escapism, and we're going to be corona free in fact we <laughs> are we are brought to you tonight by wayfarers ale society mm-hmm. right out of nova scotia port williams so good actually yeah. i played a show there once do you know that really yeah it was actually probably only the second time i've ever been there and i played a show for a, a for a buddy of mine that was had a cd release party so we played right in the right in the main room there it was awesome and we had free beer all night it was- we should go back and do a show there That'd be amazing, a live podcast. We do a live podcast, trivia night. Yeah, I, would, I mean, I'm, I want to do a trivia night so bad. We could, you know, there's so many categories you could do a trivia night for, too, so. Oh, yeah. Basically, our entire show is based off of trivia, useless information exactly. about things you exactly. love. <laughs> and speaking of things you love, we're going back to 1985. Great year. I was born. I can't believe I was five years old at this point, but I definitely, I mean, this is to me, I mean, if you talk about just a movie as pure fun it's kind of an adventure film you know it's definitely like you know i I know the afi put it on their top 10 science fiction like i don't know if it's it's just not serious enough to me to be i guess a pure science fiction film i'd give this like a an adventure kind of action this is the one of the most fun movies ever for me like a rewatchable like to the upteenth infinity degree you know it's timeless but this in any case, uh, yeah, Back to the Future, 1985, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, awesome duo, very strange duo, but very awesome. strange duo. Let's let, so yeah, let's let's start this thing up. Let's let's press yeah, play. Let's hit play. We should do a couple shout outs again. The ongoing friendship and support shared between us and horror dads, John and Jamie. Um, they did a great show this past week, uh, Friday the 13th, part one and two. They covered. Oh. And um, they released that on Friday the 13th, and they will be releasing the next Friday the 13th episode in November, where they will be covering three and four. That's awesome. But uh, I have been talking to John um, through our Instagrams, and uh, he's uh, he's a good guy, and he wants us on the show next. Awesome. Keep reaching out. You guys uh, leaving lots of comments. I know. On- that's Yeah, that's one thing that's just been amazing. Like, just thanks to everybody that's been listening. I mean, everybody reaching out and talking to us and giving us suggestions for the show. It's like, you know, it's just so much fun. And, you know, just been having a blast doing it. And 
Uh, it's amazing just kind of like, you know, reopening those old memories and, and kind of, you know, keeping that kind of memory alive, you know. Yeah, yeah. And if you want us to cover something that uh, you think we don't know or uh, or that we should know, let us know. Uh, there is a good chance that we have forgotten it because every week we'll find something that will remind us of another thing exactly, yeah. that we didn't know that we remembered until we forgot about it's, it. Yeah, it's a complete stream of consciousness thing, like, or like a word association thing. It's like you just hear something or see something, yeah. and you're like, oh, wait, remember this? Remember yeah. that? Well, you get two minds together that are filled with useless information. So much useless information. Oh, my God. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're two bitches watching TV. We're a recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours of TV, so you don't have to. You can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram and Twitter at BitchWatchPod. Is our show original? No. Entertaining? We hope so. This is BitchWatch. Stoner Chicks. We're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed. I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd. So subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. (laughs) To go along with our ales of choice... I thought it was appropriate that Kyle and I enjoy some mini pizzas. <laughs> yeah, like the mini pizzas they put in the futuristic microwave or the oven in the future in yeah, part two. The rehydrator. Yeah, it was like, wasn't it Pizza Hut, I think, maybe? Pizza Hut. And it's the red and green pizza. Half of it is pepperoni. The other half is... Hydrate level four, please. <laughs> with green pepper. So yeah, just here we go. Steven Spielberg presents. Is there any better way for a movie in the 80s to come out with... Like to just immediately grab your attention, Steven Spielberg presents. Okay, we're actually I I feel pretty comfortable watching this. Yeah, movie. it's quite telling that this is going to be an adventure flick. Yeah. Well, think think of all the Spielberg movies of this era, right? You've got E.T., Goonies, produced by. Mm-hmm. You've got this. Those are adventure flicks. Yeah, E.T. I mean, yeah, E.T. To me, E.T. and movies like this, Back to the Future, they just go hand in hand. Like, it brings me back to a definitely a specific time in my life, like. You know, almost when you're most open and susceptible to these specific types of films, like just pure, just wonder. You know what I mean? Just like you can't you just can't believe what you're seeing just as a kid watching these kind of movies. I mean, Spielberg's always been stuck in the child's mindset in the way that he frames film. Like For sure. we've talked about yeah. ET very briefly, saying that everything's from the child or ET's level, which is really the same level. Where you know the the adult figures are kind of cut off, mm-hmm. but that's because it takes one to know one, you know, and 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 in a respectful way, Spielberg is very much a child at heart. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to think of it that way, because like, I know that Spielberg started off, you know, in uh, make, making films even in his I don't know if it was junior high, maybe or high school, but definitely as a kid, you know, running around making movies. It's almost like he never. You know, as he got older and wiser and smarter, but he never lost that, that I guess, that love for the type of movies he wants to make and wants to show people. He he stated uh, before that when he was making Jaws, the movie before it was called Duel. 
He thought, okay, big monster truck, big monster shark, four-letters dual, four-letter jaws. He said he just attacked it from a very simplistic mindset. Now, when you say someone's a genius, sometimes simplicity is best. Yeah, for sure. And they were written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. So Bob Gale apparently came up with the idea first. Um, he, he, he found an old yearbook, I guess, in his, you know, his, his old boxes or whatever, and saw something about his dad that he never even knew. And I guess the idea came to him is like, I wonder if I was to be able to go back to that time and hang out with my dad, would me and my dad have been friends? And then also, so what is interesting from that as the script uh, progressed, so Robert Zemeckis then introduced the part of uh, the fact that his mom had told him that when she was in school, she wasn't, she was like a goody two shoes, not super promiscuous. When in fact, I think the reality was she was probably a little more promiscuous than she let on, which is exactly how he writes um, Leah Thompson uh, as Marty's mom in the movie. Man, here he is standing in front of that huge speaker ready to blast a huge power cord, and it blows him right back. I just thought that was so cool. As a kid, I wanted, I wished that I would be able to do something like that, like play something that loud. His whole rig that he just plugged into <laughs> looked like something that Eddie Van Halen wired himself. <laughs> he was taking military-grade compressors and outboard units, and he would feed it through the effects loop. He would overdrive the preamps. Basically... If it wasn't for Eddie Van Halen, we wouldn't have the metal distortion that the amps were not producing until he did that. Oh, really? Yes. The kinks. They they beat the shit out of their equipment to the point where it sounded broken. Okay. And clean guitars were no longer existent. I like how sometimes that stuff works out. Like, it sounds... Man, it's like, that sounds like crap, but it also, in a way, sounds kind of cool. Like, how can we make that a thing? You know, yeah. how can we produce that? Well, it's it's interesting when we go back, we watch films like this, and we say, you know, this is important, and here's why, because it's still being done today. Like, this this movie's almost very meta, you know, in terms of filmmaking. If this happens in this time period, this is the sequence, right? So you've got the Twin Pine Mall, mm-hmm. but then when Marty crashes the car through the pine tree, mm-hmm. it becomes the Lone, Lone pine. pine Mall. Right. When you and I talk about movies and music, you can't help but think sometimes, like, what happened if Cliff Burton was still around? What happened if Eric Stoltz actually played Marty McFly? Mm -hmm. All of those what-ifs, that's back to the future. That's true. We could always change the course of something, is what it's saying. So So when we revisit film, like right now, you and I are going to be seeing current Stranger Things references. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because because they're still recreating things. And I think that's what defines something as timeless is when people haven't exhausted the ability to reference it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you touched on it briefly. But, yeah, I totally for it's, it's such a crazy story. The, um, um, you know, they wanted basically they wanted uh, Michael J. Fox from the beginning. But he, Family Ties was such a huge show at the time. They couldn't. They just couldn't make it work. His schedule was too crazy or something about Meredith Baxter being off on maternity leave for family ties. And they needed Michael J. Fox uh, for more. I guess it was just a matter of more storylines involving him because he was obviously a breakout. Um, So they ended up casting Eric Stoltz, who was coming off the strength of Mask and who the producers and the studio heads really liked for Mask. And they actually shot for three weeks with Eric Stoltz as... Um, Marty McFly, but it was apparently just like as they were going on, 
Robert Zemeckis was like, this is just not. He he brought. He said he brought too much drama. He was purely approaching it from like a dramatic standpoint. Didn't have the actual personality that Marty McFly needed, and that Michael J. Fox actually had. You know what I mean? To really make Marty a kind of. He was uh, dark and brooding. <laughs> That's got so strange. That's not Marty McFly at all. Look at Marty. Look at his band right here. They're kicking ass, man. Yeah, they almost sound like Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah, and actually, so the they're like holding. It's weird. They're having audition. Like, who's this team? Like, are they teachers holding the auditions for the talent show at their high school? Meanwhile, the head, this guy right here, you're just too damn loud. That's Huey Lewis. It is. <laughs> Next, please. I love that beginner Ibanez he's playing. I never noticed that until right now. Yeah, it's funny what you learn through life when you go back yeah. and you start catching brands and also just subtleties. Even looking at the how they made Hill Valley look at this point, look, there's a there, we moved out of business. Yeah. Like, is Hill Valley a, like a dump of a town? It's like I never noticed that before when I was watching it as I was younger. Look at him just checking out girls right in front of his girlfriend. <laughs> what douche. But you know what? Hill Valley kind of reminds me of uh Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls is great, though. It actually, it, it has written for TV pop culture nerds. It references everything all the time. Oh, I never knew that. I never watched it. So, yeah, this famous, I mean, this downtown core of Hill Valley, uh, famed at, uh, famed, filmed at the Universal Backlot, which is actually a part of their studio tour ride, uh, part of Universal Studios Hollywood, which I actually got to see. And I actually got to see this clock tower. It was a kind of a surreal moment when, That's they, awesome. when they bring you through the back lot. And it was like, yep, no, this is actually the clock tower from Back to the Future. I'm like, are you? I was like, couldn't even believe what I was seeing. That's incredible that within the 80s, they created a structure yeah. that was so prominent and so recognizable and iconic that... How many years ago did you go? Yeah, uh, I think it was, yeah, five, uh, maybe eight, eight years ago, maybe. Even still. Yeah, no, for sure. There was no designs on taking it down. Well, what's also cool about once you see it in the, you know, if being an st- actual studio set, these are all just, it's all shells, right? Like when, when you're driving by, you really see how the building itself is it's just the front. It's just a facade, you know what I mean? As you pass by it, it's literally just like gone. There's no building in behind them, right? I love the um, Clark Griswold car that just pulled up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I forget this girl's name now, but yeah, I had such a crush on her at the time. But then she ended up getting replaced by Elizabeth Shue in part two and three. But still, I still, never forget. I know. The girl I always that you have, don't know. Yeah, I have always have love for the original Jennifer. <laughs> okay, Kyle, don't write that phone number down. It's not a real number. <laughs> Look at the look. There's a movie playing. The, there's a porn theater in Hill Valley, orgy American style. I I swear to you, I've never never noticed that before. It's incredible that that's there, but it's also not surprising. I've never actually noticed the graffiti all over Lion and that's States. What that's what I'm talking about. I didn't realize Hill Valley was such a dump. Yeah, but I'm not surprised that a porn theater is still running in a desolate town. Mm-hmm. It'd be like if um, you know a remote town anywhere was like just falling apart and you're like of course pleasures and treasures is still open yeah what survives booze and booze and porn right <laughs> right and yeah bars and porn really isn't that what we're all working for i mean hey <laughs> i mean hey <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments 
<laughs> How come you didn't tell me your car had a blind spot? I could have been killed. <laughs> Spill my beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So here he is, the Thomas F. Wilson as Biff Tannen. And really, such for someone that never really worked, like, I can't think of anything that I would have seen him in, uh, like, really notably, I guess, after this. But Biff Tan is such an important part of the Back to the Future, for, like, the whole series. Each, everybody's kind of, actually, well, I guess, you know, Crispin Glover didn't, uh, he was recast in part two and three, but, um, which is kind of another crazy story, because apparently he was just a nightmare to work with and just a weirdo. Thanks for that, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a shame, because here's Marty watching his dad be the world's biggest pushover. And uh, and here's Biff just going through his fridge, getting another Miller Lite. Oh, the first time this word is uttered. Butthead. Butthead? <laughs> he hates being called... No, he hates being called chicken. But I think butthead is definitely used a lot during the, the Back to the Future series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So here's another interesting fact about Biff Tannen. So originally he was a guy named J.J. J. Cohen was cast, um, but they they recast him because the producers felt that he wasn't physically imposing enough to bully Eric Stoltz, who was then obviously filming as Marty oh. McFly. So they cast recast Cohen as uh, the as skinhead, I guess the character's name is, one of Biff's like accomplices, one of his friends. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about that is if had Fox been cast from the beginning, like Cohen probably would have stayed as Biff Tannen because Michael J. Fox is just so short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird, like fate, I guess, that intervened with that. Yep. Look at the old Diet Pepsi cans on the table there. One calorie. Is that what it says? Yep. Oh, Bud Light. See, this is this is the the time of the instant instant TV dinners. Diet, low calorie, a lot of that focus. <laughs> it's such a shame he was to know that he was such a dick. I know. Because he played that flawlessly. I know. And well, not even like that only that he was such a dick, but apparently he, uh, what did Robert Zemeckis had said that um, like 80% of the time he was going in a completely wrong direction for George McFly. They constantly just had to like reel him in because he was like, he was teasing his hair or something. He was like making these weird grand gestures. I don't know, something, I guess that's what they were saying. But yeah, those moments that obviously they finally came with especially like that laugh and everything like also the he plays the when the movie ends when he's finally got his confidence because of what happens in the movie like you know he is he he makes two versions of george mcfly like really interesting i think that's that sounds like if michael richards didn't land with jerry and larry to do seinfeld Mm -hmm. that sounds like what it would have been like to manage Michael Richards on any other set. Yeah, probably. Like, too wacky. Too authoritative over characters that he didn't write. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see the outtakes of what Crispin Glover was going to do with George McFly. Right. To see if maybe, I mean, who knows, maybe it would have worked. I always wished my high school would have done an enchantment under the sea dance. Like, actually call it the enchantment under the sea dance. Oh, well, of course. (laughs) Be there or be square. (laughs) The makeup was actually... Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, very good for for the time period, especially well, to be the, subtle about it. Yeah, what's the what's the time period? The eighty five to fifty, I guess thirty 55. years. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you do it better. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, oh. 
us just I kind of sleep like this, honestly. Oh my god. <laughs> so like on this side. Yeah, yeah. So they had Diet Pepsi at the table. They got Pepsi Free yeah, on Yeah, I've never heard of Pepsi Free. Oh, well, is that a Huey Lewis poster in the back? Yeah, sports? sports. That's amazing. But well, Pepsi Free, that's what he asked for in Back to the Future 2. And he goes, Give me give me a tab. Tab? I can't give you a tab unless you order something. Right, give me a Pepsi Free. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to pay for it. Look, just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? So here's an interesting question. I don't know if there is an answer for this. He's going to the Twin Pines Mall to meet Doc Brown at 1.16 a.m. So why are these two friends? Where, how do they know each other? And why is a high school kid hanging out with an older, crazy scientist? Well, these are questions we don't have to ask because this is Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're That's right. my you'll, go-to. You'll get me with, there's no coming back from that. You'll get me with that every time. <laughs> oh, God. Basically, shut your face. It's Back to the Future. I love that it's a DeLorean. Yeah, they went for the DeLorean apparently because I guess a car that most resembled what you, it's so silver and so, you know, flying saucer shaped. Like when he first goes back, he, they, the idea that, uh, a, you know, a farmer from 1955 would actually confuse that for a UFO is most certainly. Oh, yeah. Look at that, even how the doors open up like that. Oh, yeah. So it was Bob Gale who realized he hit gold when he decided a DeLorean should be the time machine, especially given the car's troubled history and the car maker's even more troubled history. Was busted in 1982 in a $24 million cocaine deal. Who the DeLorean was? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but once filming began, Universal's product placement team got an offer from Ford that would have paid $75,000. That's about $171,000 today. If the time machine was switched to a Mustang, Gail's re- iconic response, Doc Brown doesn't drive a fucking Mustang. Wow, that's amazing. To stick, I mean, just you know, stick with your plan like that. He's right. I mean, you got to rig this freaking car up. Bearings are still good. <laughs> There's a lot that's good on that. I wonder also how they decided what's, I mean, 88 miles per hour just seems like a cool, get the, get the sucker up to 88 miles per hour. I mean... So iconic. Yeah. You actually, didn't you say that in the intro to our whole? Walk? That was our, that was our, our teaser. <laughs> yeah. I said, let's uh, kick this up to 88 miles per hour and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Full circle moment. Yep. Touching on what you were talking about with uh, the, playing double duty with Family Ties and Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. There was a quote from Michael J. Fox. He described it in his 2003 memoir, Lucky Man. A Teamster driver would pick me up at 9.30 a.m. and take me to Paramount, where I would spend the day rehearsing that week's show, culminating in a run-through at approximately 5 p.m. each afternoon. Then at 6, another Teamster driver would pick me up and shuttle me to Universal Studios or whatever far-flung location we were based that evening, where I would work on Back to the Future until before sunrise. At that point, I'd climb into the back of a production van with a pillow and a blanket, and yet another driver would take me home again, sometimes literally carrying me into my apartment and dropping me into my bed. I'd catch two or three hours of sleep before the Teamster driver, number one, would reappear at my apartment, let himself in with a key I'd provided, brew a pot of coffee, turn on the shower, rouse me to start the whole process all over again. That's, that's amazing. That sounds painful. Like that's, as glamorous as it is to be I in know. the limelight. It's just seizing the moment, seizing the opportunity. 
you know, this is it. Like, obviously had so much faith in the movie that he was going to do it. Oh, certainly. But yeah, that sounds like a brutal schedule. <laughs> yeah, no, that does not sound fun. He was pretty young, though, so he probably couldn't, you know. I don't know if 40-year-old me could handle that. Four hours of sleep a night. Uh, I can barely handle Monday to Friday. <laughs> I want to go to this shopping center. I want to, like, just see Twin Pines Mall. Actually, it probably would just, like, look like any other mall, actually. So the Puente Hills Mall. Yeah. The city of industry, California. I always find it so interesting when you, um, you know, they really lay out or they map out all the locations, like even the school, mm. uh, Hill, the, the Hill Valley High or whatever, like the exteriors, one place, the interior main hallways are another place, and the gymnasium where the dance is held is like another completely different so place. So crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Seeing this high def is strange. Like, look yeah, how crazy he's, he's weird frothy. Sweaty he looks. Yeah, he's frothy at the mouth. Oh, uh, do you have one of those camcorders growing up with the, that you could put a whole VCR tape into? It? Oh my god! Yeah, my uh, my grandfather had one. Don't know why I never saw it out, but I loved uh, I loved those. And then the the small like the mini VHS. Yeah, yeah. I used to make we used to make like wrestling videos as kids and um, just funny. Just skits and home movies. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember making a stop-motion wrestling video. Oh, really? Like with the figures. Oh, okay. So when I was young, I hadn't seen Freddy's Dead, but I knew it was around. So then I somehow tried to put together how it happened. <laughs> how did it go? Uh, I don't know, but I still got the tape somewhere. Hey, Freddy, yeah, you're, yeah. Dead. <laughs> you're dead. You're dead. So touching on some 1985 moments, that's Live Aid. Oh. That was a big deal. Yeah. New Coke. Is that the one that failed? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. It was sweeter. It was supposed to appeal more to uh, Pepsi because Pepsi was really taking over. The Cola Wars, and they're still going on today. Mm-hmm. Although not so much. I don't find anyways. What do you like better, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, it, okay. I used to have this debate. As well, oh yeah, this is a, this is definitely a lifelong debate. And when I was a kid, yeah. it was a definitive answer, and I have since changed. So yeah, so I I lean towards Coke now, but when I was younger, for some reason, um, Diet Pepsi tasted better. Yeah, there was a, I, I can see that. Yeah, and uh, then regular Pepsi. Or just Coke? Just, yeah. You but just the, like Then Pepsi. either the colas. I just liked it. It was fizzier, I mm-hmm. found. There was more carbonation in it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It was brighter. Yeah. When I was a kid, I definitely loved Pepsi more. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think I could maybe say one of the main reasons was the Pepsi Taste Challenge. I oh, thought yes. that was just so much fun. Every yeah. time that came to town, it was like, because I always loved that I could taste the difference. Yeah. But yeah, definitely now that I'm an adult, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Coke, I think. It's just a better flavor. Yep. Something else that happened in 1985. Mm-hmm. Nintendo. Really? The NES got released? The NES released in North American markets. Wow. The NES was originally launched with 17 games. I didn't know that, that like there was a specific number, right? La- oh, like it came with the launch. Like, what the hell is this, going know, on in this rock, movie now? Rock, and then, so now the Libyans are chasing Marty. They have, it's the Libyans! I know. They, so that's a little problematic in this whole, like, stereotypical kind of terrorist view. Like, looking at it from 2020 or 2020 eyes. 
yeah, he was rocking a rocket launcher in his van. Like they just they just carry around with them in AK forty sevens. Okay, look. Oh, uh, okay. So that scarecrow did a backflip over the top of the car, and then and, it was on. The front. And then it was, and then it was face first on the windshield. <laughs> Here we go. So now Marty's back in nineteen fifty five, and he's scaring the family that lives on the farm that he crash lands into their um, barn. And an interesting part about this is so apparently. Uh, one of the executives at Universal, Sidney Scheinberg, he was, I guess, responsible for a lot of like, you know, those famous kind of producers or like studio head script notes where they give them notes to replace. So, you know, this guy is uh, responsible for changing Marty's mother's name from Meg to Lorraine. He's uh, responsible for replacing uh, Doc Brown's pet originally was a chimpanzee, but he replaced it with a dog. And so this also was one... Um, Actually, he didn't get changed, but he wanted the title of Back to the Future to be called Spaceman from Pluto because of this scene. Um, he suggested the scene where he's dressed as an alien um, should have Marty identify himself as a spaceman from Pluto instead of Darth Vader from Vulcan. I guess, no, actually, well, this comes a little later when he's talking to his dad. I'm Darth Vader from Vulcan. He was supposed to say Spaceman from Pluto. Imagine if Back to the Future was called Spaceman from Pluto. And do you know one of the criticisms was that Back to the Future was confusing as a title? Yeah, he said something like, no successful film has ever had the word future in its title, which is a very weird generic statement, uh, uh, you know, kind of broad statement to make. But isn't that always the controversy around some of these most beloved movies? Is that there's always some person of authority and higher up that says this is going to fail? Yeah. And then it becomes whatever love, breakout smash that it I is. I love those stories. Well, they, they uh, I read that Back to the Future was rejected constantly for four years. 40 times. 40 times. That's insane. But the fact that Spielberg was going to back it probably gave it a little bit of a, a push. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, another just one more quick fact about Spaceman from Pluto. Apparently, Spielberg was the one to write back this executive. And instead of saying... You know, we don't like it, or instead of agreeing to it, he just said, "Yeah, no, that was a that was a pretty funny joke right there." And that no, that we had we all had a good laugh over that. So almost like as a way to embarrass him he into said, like he said, "Keep it coming." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost embarrass him, embarrass him out of you know, thinking about that as an idea. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think why this plot this plot works and just this idea works so well because like who wouldn't like here he is walking through his town. 30 years in the past. Imagine seeing, like, you know, imagine being there. Imagine seeing that for yourself. It would be just amazing. So it's like a, it's almost like a wish fulfillment fantasy, I guess this kind of movie is. Mm. Hill Valley is very, very clean now. Very clean at this point. Back when gas stations had, like, a team of attendants. Almost like a a pit stop at a racing event. Yeah. Sandman, bring me a dream. Oh, and the clock tower, that was, yeah, the first indicator that he's, is like, I can't believe I, this can't be happening. It's the, the clock actually chimes and it works. It's a very vibrant city. Uh, the stores are opened. But yeah, so yeah, this whole courtyard, yeah, I got to drive through that. And it was such a trip, man. The score, the music kind of this for the film. Uh, I always like, it's almost like when you, you, you look back on it, you almost think it was like somebody like John Williams. It almost right. seems like a John Williams-esque thing. But yeah, no, it's it very dark. So Alan Silvestri. Okay collaborated with uh originally collaborated with zemeckis on romancing the stone 
And so he asked Silvestri to like come back, but make like he make his compositions. He says grand and epic, despite the film's small scale, to impress Spielberg. Mm. So yeah, like it's a very it is kind of John Williams Superman esque you know esque yeah. I guess. I mean, John Williams is the greatest film composer of all time. I would say it's almost no contest yeah. in terms of just making a song as much a part of the film's identity as anything else that happens in the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I know. He's in the same restaurant as his dad as a teenager, and they're both kind of doing like the same mannerisms. The symmetry. Billy Zane is one of uh, Biff's... Oh, my God. Look at him. One of Biff's cronies. So I wonder which now. Now I have no idea. I guess so. His character says his skinhead was the original Biff. I guess which one would that be? I can't really pick him out. Hmm. Probably the guy with the motorcycle gloves, maybe. Because mm. the other guy, the guy with the 3D glasses, now nah, I don't see him as being. Doesn't really. No, he's not a skinhead. It has to be the guy with the gloves. Yes. That would suck too. Like, I mean, obviously it would suck more as Eric Stoltz to be like cast as the lead in a huge movie. You know, executive produced by Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. recast only three weeks and you're fired. But also, right. like, must be it would just be suck to be that guy. He has because Biff's obviously the, has such a bigger part. Yeah, just to be reduced lead. to just a guy that goes, Dork's gonna drown. Right, that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah. <laughs> How would I think Crispin Glover's apartment would be? It's either I would say I'm gonna guess either like completely eccentric. Or very minimalist, like literally a mattress in the middle of a floor. How about both? Oh, really? Just messy and out of control? Surgical operating table in the center of the room. Wow. Because <laughs> no home is complete <laughs> without an operating table. He's <laughs> 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 just like working on somebody. Right. He's Dexter. He would be Dexter. <laughs> Oh yeah, his dad's a pervert. He's looking at women's like He's women. a peeping Tom. He's a peeping Tom. Yeah, Michael J. Fox was perfect for this role. He has that perpetual like fourteen-year-old boy. Yeah, voice. I also love. Yeah, so like now we're getting into kind of now the paradoxes and um, the time tangents are happening because uh-huh. I, I like how that all works. Like this is the beginning of how everything starts to go wrong because george was supposed to get hit by the car because then he was going to get taken care of by lorraine and the florence nightingale effect you know she was going to fall in love with him taking care of him but no marty had to stick his little nose into somebody else's business and now marty is going to be um lusted after by his mother and this is where disney said yes this is a movie about incest (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't go with the disney name we don't want to Calvin. Oh, yeah, Calvin. Why do you keep calling me Calvin? Because it's written all over your underwear. Oh, no, she goes, that's your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? On my hope chest. (laughs) What is a hope chest? Isn't it uh, like a box of things? This is your your pot and pan set that you're going to have in your house when you get your house. Oh, that's cute. She has a hope chest. She's very forward. Doesn't know this guy at all. She's extremely forward. That's her son. <laughs> well, she doesn't know that. You cut her a little slack. Yeah, that's true. It is Michael J. Fox, after all. <laughs> yeah. Teen Beat. I wonder how many times he appeared on the cover of Teen Beat magazine. Yeah. I wonder if Crispin Glover's ever been on the cover of Teen Beat magazine. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Who's that kid? There he is. What's that kid's name again? Um, 
Fred Savage's brother in The Wonder Years. Right. Is it Jason Hervey? Milton. That's what his name is in this movie? Yeah. Milton. I love that line. He's like, better get used to these bars, kid. I know. Uncle Jailbird Joey. <laughs> Jackie Gleason. And TV is going to just completely consume <laughs> Americans for the forever, you know. Imagine being, I, you know, thinking about actually being at this t- in this time when TV was, you know, first being so accessible like that. Would have been amazing. Oh, my God. And is that, I'm just realizing, too, that one of Lorraine's sisters, I think she's the kid in Adventures in Babysitting. The young, oh. the young girl in Adventures in Babysitting. Maya Bruton. Wow. She played Sarah. That's right. Sarah. All those just great winks at the audience. It's almost winking at the audience. These Yeah, great like w- letting them in on it. Yeah. Do I know your mother? Yeah, I think you do. Nobody's home yet. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, this guy's a weirdo. Is he wearing, what's he wearing? A jean jacket under a... A vest. Down vest? <laughs> Got to be one of the most classic kind of like... Right. Um, Iconic uh, costumes. Well, I was going to say, yeah. A, a, Hall- a nice, easy Halloween costume that's like so recognizable. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here we are. So, oh, yeah. So this exterior now, he's going to see uh, Doc Brown in 1955. And apparently this is actually a very, it's almost like a famous architectural uh, tourist attraction called the Gamble House okay. uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Doc Brown is definitely tinfoil hat material for sure. Yeah, this is the all. This is like the blueprint for the tinfoil hat. Almost. <laughs> What's he wearing? Like a crocodile trench coat? Yeah, crocodile skin. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, yeah, it just sets it up for so many winks, like so many fun little like. Who's the president? Ronald Reagan, the actor. I always loved this moment too when he, like, when he proves that he actually, you know, knows something more than. He explains to him how he got the cut on his forehead. Well, that that whole that whole trade off there, uh, Regan actually really liked the movie. He eventually laughed so hard that the projectionist had to rewind the film because Regan wanted to see it again. Later in his 1986 State of the Union, Regan quoted the final line from the first film: "Roads where we're going, we don't need roads." Are you serious? Wow, that's power. <laughs> when I fell off my toilet, <laughs> I drew this. Yeah. I'm a genius in the bathroom, too. Aren't we all? Yeah. I mean, I sing the best in yeah, the shower. I sing the best in the shower, but come up with the best ideas when you're on the shitter. Yeah. I do my taxes there. <laughs> 30 years now, though. That means, like, man, he's a, that's a long career of like just failure. Right. So, he's, so now he has to re- reverse engineer it now. I know. Or does he just stay the course and he'll figure it out? He looks identical. <laughs> there was one thing that I was kind of noticing. I think they 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 seem to the makeup recede his hair a little bit. I guess make his hair a little more wilder. But yeah, he pretty they, much looks exactly the same. They added the tiniest bit of um, like wrinkled skin texture yeah, under yeah, his yeah. jaw and around his eyes. So apparently, I didn't know this either. That gigawatts and gigawatts are both acceptable pronunciations of the word. Apparently it is gigawatts, but scientists, and that was something that Christopher Lloyd had researched, scientists prefer to use gigawatts. Gigawatts. Yeah. Instead of gigawatts. Instead of gigawatts. Okay. Oh no, his head's disappearing. Oh, here we go. Hill Valley High School. 
Look at fifties like greaser Marty McFly. Also, again, like just a young kid hanging out with an old man going to a high school. Yeah, even going back thirty years, <laughs> Doc Brown is still an old man. <laughs> Security was a lot more slack back in nineteen fifty-five. Oh yeah. Poor George, man. He's always getting bullied. Oh, the classic kick me sign. So that kid on the right, the redhead there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks familiar. He was in the burbs. Yes. He was the weird He's kid that, at the oh, house. Oh, you're right. With the weird mouth. Like yes. The, 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 the big... Always scratching his neck. And he, wow. He was that's, eating... a good, that's a good a good like pick out of that crowd. He, uh, he Doesn't he offer them something weird like sardines out of the can? Man, I totally forget the burbs. Oh, that that movie's great. Do you know that's one of three movies that I brought over on my first date with Emily Rose? Hmm. When she was recovering from her wisdom teeth coming out, mm-hmm. I brought over Ernest Scared Stupid, Kindergarten Cop, and The Burbs. Look at you. Hopeless romantic. Yep. Ernest Scared Stupid. Classic. Yeah. Staying on brand. <laughs> Your love of Ernest. <laughs> Even her, even her friends are like, no, Michael J. Fox is just way better looking than Crispin yeah, yeah, Glover. Yeah. Oh, poor George. Yeah, walks off dejected. Yeah, yeah, catch up, Marty. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. your your mom yeah. wants you. You didn't know that before. Oh no, here's there's the banner and Chamber under the sea dance this Saturday. Don't miss it. There it is. Be there, oh, there or be square. Be there, be square. Why would they even have cast him if he was such a wild card? Do you know what I mean? I know he's definitely an interesting look, a really cool voice, and he's definitely got a weird vibe about him that you know translates pretty well on screen, but you'd think you'd get a sense of a person as you're in the audition process. Sure. I mean, this, this guy does seem like he's left of center. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He was in uh, one of the Friday the 13th films. Was he? He was in part, I want to say, four. Oh, with that's the one with Corey Feldman, right? Of course. Yeah. He uh, he plays essentially the exact same character. The same as this? Yeah. yeah. Spastic. Himself, yeah. Oh, my God. There's a scene where he's dancing in Friday the 13th that is just out of this. Ugh. Have you ever seen his, like, Letterman interviews where he no. goes completely off the rails and, like, starts chucking shit around and jumping over, like... And apparently Letterman, like, banned him from ever appearing no, on the show again. Yeah. I didn't know any of this. Oh, yeah. I like how Marty, even though he's obviously outmatched in terms of, I guess, just size, um, he's still, Marty's a tough-ass kid. He was, yeah, ready, yeah. he was ready to throw down with Biff yeah. right there. Yeah. It's leave. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I am Darth Vader. From the planet Vulcan. Check out the name on the tape. Yeah, what is he playing here? Oh, I, I, I didn't remember. Oh, Van Halen. <laughs> Edward Van Halen, it says. Yes. Is it Eruption? Mm, no, no. Not quite. Reason being is that the band didn't actually agree to perform, uh. but Eddie was okay with it, so that's why it's Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> God. <laughs> Look at him untucked there. I know. I'm your density. Classic pickup line. <laughs> I'm your density. Everyone dancing around. Look, everyone's having a good time. Cherry Coke. A cherry Coke. Milkshakes and cherry Coke. Are they smoking in there too? Oh, uh, yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> I remember 
uh yeah like going to tim hortons uh in high school yeah man you'd walk in there and it'd just be it was like, a cloud it was like just a, yeah a haze of smoke cigarette smoke yeah, it was... Uh, Even malls, like Mick, I remember oh, Micmac Mall and all the different time. tables in the food courts had the little the little tin ashtrays. Yeah. Or smoked in the mall. Just even, you know, I, well, I grew up with parents who didn't smoke. I didn't smoke. But when I think back going to restaurants as a kid, mm. be like three for non-smoking. Oh, yeah, non-smoking. Wow, I totally forgot about that. And they right? have those cigarette vending machines. I remember at like Smitty's right. in Dartmouth. They'd have those vending machines. Oh, Westfall. Yeah, yeah. Is that still there? Smith, it is as still the there. Yeah. It is. <laughs> he waves to the people in the yeah, diner. It's like, yeah. I know you're trying to make George look better. Like, <laughs> you can't do shit like this and not expect Lorraine right. to like, want you even more. <laughs> His mom. <laughs> yeah, your mom. Right, right. He's like, hey, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're about to see one of the. You know, the many running gags throughout the Back to the Future franchise, the inevitable crashing into a pile of manure that the bullies always seem to get themselves into. Oh, slick. It's so slick. Even everyone's just like, what the? Probably the only, <laughs> is that the only swear word in the movie? Shit. Yeah, probably. Yeah. What's also awesome now watching this, this portion right here is that it doesn't feel like it's in the 80s anymore. Like even the humor that we just saw, it looks like it's from a movie within the 50s. Yeah. Like the slapstickiness of that. Yeah. That, whoo, like it really was <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> but it was there because it's almost like time relevant. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's an interesting, I guess, point about just even the um, the production design of this. I mean, this movie so well put together. Oh you know, God, it really yeah. does recreate the 50s in a way. and. You know, for a movie that was actually filmed in the '80s, yes. to have recreate that look so well is yeah. it's pretty impressive. Watching he reading Doc's watching his inevitable death. There's so much Michael Richardson in him. In You're this. right. It'd be interesting to. I, I don't wonder if that question's ever been asked to Michael Richards. Like, you know, where's your inspiration come from, or whatever. And well, yeah, that's true. I, I, was Christopher Lloyd always this spastic, though? I don't. I don't know. I was actually thinking about that as we were watching. Because he was in that show, Taxi. That's true. He was a little kind of, I guess, a little wonky. A little. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, but I don't really know Taxi, the show at all. So because Michael Richards, he was also in Weird Al's UHF, and he was also on, you know, like a variety type of sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. He basically did a gag that they. They just gave him a pile of dirt and some toy cars, and he created like a whole thing off of that. Hmm. It's just it's just the right amount of genius with nothing. Yeah, just kind of like improvisational, yeah. just energetic, yeah, just mm-hmm. creative energy. Yeah. When I was younger, I remember watching uh, uh, Dennis the Menace quite a bit, mm-hmm. the movie. And oh, with Walter Matthau. Yeah, and Christopher Lloyd. Was he in that? Yeah, he was the bum. Man, I forgot about that. I love the scene with him and Dennis under the bridge, and he's built the fire, and he just keeps torturing Christopher Lloyd, the bum. He just, oh, like everything backfires on him. Oh, it's so funny. I I put it out on Twitter that, uh, you know, kind of going back to the 
what I called the dark side of the 80s kids movies. Um, I selected four that were just kind of out of my scope. But I just I was just trying to think of movies that kind of stand out within that darker kid realm. Um, Gremlins being one. Mm-hmm. Little Monsters. Oh, yes. Howie Mandel, Fred Savage. It's weird, very weird theories very, on very weird on the meaning of that movie <laughs> yeah but i think that's that's too much of 2020 speaking that's honestly very true. Uh, who framed roger rabbit which had christopher lloyd in mm-hmm. it and the other one was beetlejuice oh beetlejuice yeah. yes i know that's yeah movies that deal uh the themes and the plots are very heavy very death centric yes do not open until no- do you think if you got a letter it said, do not open until 1985. Would you be able to hold on and not open that letter? Yeah, no. Probably not. Oh, if if you ever were to put on like an enchantment under the sea dance, this is you got to have the cover band and you got to call them. Mario oh, yeah. And the Star Later. So wholesome, this, this get together. Oh, here's Crispin Glover doing his weird ass dancing again. I like this whole sequence. Um, it's almost a heist. Yes. Like, I love heist. Very everything is like has to be perfectly timed and you know there's things happen along the way that like might jeopardize it but it's like yeah the musical the music had to be live yeah you know the events like unless you're gonna play a record player through a speaker i guess you could even then was it would it be loud enough yeah because the only thing amplified there is the microphone it's not like not like the drums were mic'd Man, I love that moment yeah. so much. And even now, it's still so powerful. Yeah. He finally is just like, enough's enough. No, Biff, you leave her alone. How well is this scene filmed? Yes. <laughs> Look at this, the closed, the clenched this fist. This is so good. Nice. It's such a huge punch, too. Yeah. It sends them complete 360. Yeah. <laughs> Pictures, they're still disappearing, though, and it's not enough yet. This is what we were talking about in the uh, Terminator episode. I know, yeah. We were talking about, um, uh, what was it, uh, Looper? Yeah, how oh yeah, how they disappear, yeah, in Looper, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I, yeah, I had to find this cuz I did just read this today. I didn't know. So I thought for sure that he was playing. Like he definitely looks like he can play. But apparently, although it appears that Fox is actually playing the guitar, music supervisor Bones Howe hired Hollywood guitar coach and musician Paul Hansen to teach Michael J. Fox to simulate playing the parts so it would look realistic, including playing behind his head. And Fox lip synced Johnny B. Good to vocals by Mark Campbell of Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. I've never heard of that band, but I never, I never knew. I definitely knew his vocals were um, lip synced, but I, yeah, it did look like he was actually playing the guitar. Yeah. Ah, uh, here we go. Everything is right with the world. I love it. The the rise. Every energy's back because he's yes. The crescendo of the song, too. Oh, look at it. Look how she looks at him. Let's do another one. So, again, yeah, another great um, winking at the audience moment uh, where they're playing Johnny Be Good and Marvin of Marvin and the Starlighters calls up his cousin, I think it says, his cousin Chuck, obviously Chuck Berry, to let him know about this new sound that he's like witnessing for the first time because, you know, no one's ever rocked this hard, like, playing this type of music before. Kind of implying that Marty McFly invented rock and roll, which I think is very, very awesome. Ooh, oh, throwing a little Eddie, Van Halen yeah, in there. Eddie taps. 
I mean, to be fair to all the rest of the band, this part does sound like garbage. They're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> there it goes. That's that my amp. amp. That's my amp, man. <laughs> yeah, we had a guy in junior high. Uh, name was Mr. Reed. And he was the. He, you'd always hear him. He had his keys on his belt. No. You'd always hear him coming because his keys would be jangling. And he was just always like, on, just, you know, point. The fingers would be pointing and be like, stop that or slow down, you know, the classic version. But he really was like that. He was like that guy that always roamed the halls, just like yelling at all the kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad, you know, I have the relationship I have because I don't know what it would be like to have to go back into dating in 2020. Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't know I mean, what to it's do. Totally different. I mean, yeah. So, like, by the, the when I went. When I the time when I was dating to when I get now I'm been married and I've been with you know my wife for like twelve years. So the dating landscape has completely changed. There's oh. just no. I don't even know how I would navigate that world. No. Like the dating apps and it's just insane how quickly it's all kind of changed. Yeah, it is. It is a completely different demon now. I always love that 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 subtle. There's like, it's like it's too late to think about, but he goes. Did they kiss? And Marty goes, and it was great. You should have seen it. He laid out Biff with one punch. I've never seen him do anything like that before in my life. And you can see, because Doc said before, no matter the tiniest thing might alter the future. You can't mess with anything. Right. And he's like, never. And he's like, yeah, why? What's the problem? And he's like, Shh, I can't think about that. Right. Because like, that is a definite, it's a, and then going back forward, you know, George yeah. is obviously more confident, more suave. Because he did build up the confidence mm-hmm. to freaking deck Biff as a kid. Interesting. He was not bullied the rest. He's never, right. you know, going forward, he's never been bullied by Biff ever again. That's why it's so important, all that foreshadowing in the movie. Yeah. So we moved on to sea level brewing. I have Port in the Storm Porter. London style porter is a smooth, dark, and malty ale layered with coffee, chocolate, and mocha flavors hop with. Oh, an in- inward <laughs> belch amount of English hops. <laughs> belch amount. So yeah, this is, a, this is a dry hopped ESB, but I guess I've never had a hopped ESB before. But Well, the dry hop adds nose to it, so you can smell it. That's yeah, it, it says, yeah, tropical fruit, grapefruit. Again, another Port Williams brewery. <laughs> Great, Scott. One thing that I thought about, too, just going back to George and Lorraine. I guess, I guess now that I think about it, it really, what is this, over a couple of days in high school? Right. Marty as the kid would have been in another life so fast. I was just always wondering, like, especially where he tells them when you, if you guys ever have kids um, and you have a son and he sets fire to the living room rug, go easy on or whatever. Like, you, when that moment would have happened, <laughs> would they be like... Wait a Wait minute. minute. What the hell? I'm I'm sure Lorraine won't forget. Yeah. She was pretty smitten. She was. He looked just like that guy I kissed that was like super gross in high school. And he kissed like, was my, like brother. my brother. Yeah. Tiny piece of trivia about this end. And, you know, now and now iconic kind of finale sequence to the movie of, you know, you got to hit the bolt of lightning at the exact moment. And yeah. to run into the flux capacitor and you got to be 88 miles an hour. Such a great, great moment. But originally, uh, the original climax was going to be Marty was supposed to drive through a nuclear explosion during a weapons test. Oh, my God. 
uh, in Nevada, and but it was deemed too expensive by Universal executives, and so was simplified by keeping the plot within Hill Valley and incorporating the, the now famous clock tower sequence. It's almost unbelievable that that, that was something they were going to try to do, you know? Driving through a nuclear explosion? Yeah. This just seems more believable to oh, me. Oh, sure. The sci- I mean, the science checks out. It's science. Yeah. There's Doc Brown looking like that clock in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Do you have any other mad scientist movies from your hmm. childhood? Mad scientists. I mean, I can don't just think of like Young Frankenstein... Excellent choice. Excellent uh, choice. Just such, I mean, Gene Wilder is like a perfect, you know, mad scientist. I love that scene where he's giving the speech in the class and he stabs and he, his leg with and the And he pen. tries to keep going. So funny. <sighs> so <man>. good. <laughs> the pain on his face. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I can't. Now I'm trying to think of, do you have any in mind? Dr. Mads? Otto. Do- oh, yeah. Dr. Otto. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle, baby. <laughs> so we do here on the Nostalgia Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Young Frankenstein's definitely up there. That was th- those were the two that were coming to mind. Aside from Doc Brown, Reanimator. <laughs> of course, <laughs> man. Herbert West, Reanimator. Uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, what time was like? Because now it doesn't now say Lone Pine. It does say Lone Pine. Yeah. So amazing. And Just then, a tiny little attention to detail. So trippy to watch this as a kid, I remember, too. Mm. It's like, wow, how did they do that? Right. <laughs> Not thinking about, like, doubles or... <laughs> Alternate takes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Why does he jump down the hill like that? Do you ever roll down the hill like that as a kid, though? No. Man, I, no. Did that. I used to do that all the time. Not Well, not how he did it. Well, yeah. I would never fling myself, but... Yeah, face first down a bush... That's how I sleep, like, after being out drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, slips played out. And waking my... up confused, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, jeez. Oh, Wait a minute. What did I forget? Did I travel back in time and make out with my mom last night? <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> I mean, she kind of looks the same. Yeah. But they definitely made George McFly a lot more suave. Yes. Oh, more frisky, too. Ooh. <laughs> I'd like to lay you on my operation table. <laughs> Ew, grapefruit. Do you eat yeah, grapefruit? No. no. Okay, I don't eat grapefruit, but I love grapefruit-flavored things. Ew. What? I hate grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently. Too sour. Too bitter. Too bitter. Yeah. Look at that plastic tie. We're still trying to perfect this technology. Yeah, Mr. Fusion. That's what we need. Home energy reactor. And how does it work? Well, you just like put random shit in it and it converts it to energy, apparently. Turn it into a green bin and... Yeah, that's what it is. It runs on Miller Lite and banana peels. (laughs) Also like how he... You know what? There's a lot of people that run on Miller Lite and bananas. (laughs) He empties the beer can and then he just throws the beer can in too. Like why didn't you just throw it all in? Well... You got to make sure every last drop gets out. <laughs> Imagine how freaked out Jennifer must be at the very end here. Like, has she, license even, plate has she ever the bar met code. Doc Brown before? No. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need roads. Excellent. And now the, the Back in Time by Huey Lewis in the news. To, Man, you to get Power of Love, you get Back in Time. Yeah, so apparently they, they didn't like 
not that they didn't like the song, but the title. They didn't like the fact that the title had nothing to do with the movie. But apparently it was written for Back to the Future as well. That's the power of love. Yeah. So then, but back in time, I think was more, they just like made it specifically for, you know, the movie. And just to appease. The wording, yeah. But I, I think that works great as an end credit. I mean, the power of love is definitely more just kind of iconic in that it immediately makes you think of Back to the Future. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, uh, it, that's funny that you bring it up like that because, you know, content aside of the song, it's it's so iconic to the movie that the song Back in Time, you're like, oh, right, that song. Yeah, gotta be back in time. And it's, it's like, almost it's not, cheesy. And yeah. it's not a bad song. Yeah. It's just like, that's so, you know, tertiary compared to the other songs that he has written. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Eye of the Tiger. That was written by Survivor. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what else have they written off I top know. of your head i know I and and, I it's, and, and and that's no slight against them that's just yeah. unfortunate but that's the power of you know uh, a soundtrack to a movie music in movies yeah when done correctly yeah it can like just make you immediately associate one with the other right it's impossible to not you know yeah that's All awesome right. so there it was there it was, there it is. That was Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Movie that will live forever, man. Oh, that movie's so freaking So awesome. great. So great. For the Stall Junk Podcast, I am Matt McGraw saying, Great Scott! And I'm Kyle Smith saying, I'm your density. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're two bitches watching TV. We're a recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours of TV, so you don't have to. You can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram and Twitter at Bitch Watch Pod. Is our show original? No. Entertaining? We hope so. This is Bitch Watch. How's it going, everybody? This is Chewy. And this is Monica. And we are from the podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. <laughs> Where we talk about stuff like horror films, shows, and folk legends. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Like us and give us a review. 